0: Hey folks, before we start this week's episode, we just want to give you a gentle warning. We're about to discuss some fairly charged and unpleasant topics, including some deplorable ideas and music. So please be aware in advance that this show features some isolated samples, and those are in there because we're discussing a difficult topic, and we trust our audience to exercise their own discretion. Hopefully you find this to be both an informative and cautionary journey. Enjoy. Enjoy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it
0: gets funnier every time and people aren't going to know why. You know? <laughs> when you've done multiple takes that all involve me starting with an ace of riff. <laughs> it's only ever one take, Chris. That's only ever one take. Yeah, sorry. This was the first take. Yeah. <laughs> um I am Mark Fraser. This is the Unsung Podcast. I am joined by Vicky. I'm joined by Christopher. And I'm joined by <laughs> Four Swedish four maestros. Swedish maestros. Mm, um, angels. Four <laughs> angels, three <laughs> angels, and the potential devil. Uh, and this week we're doing what we're we doing. This week's a
1: Bobby Dazzler. This week we're doing something that's a bit more of a documentary piece. Um,
0: and we'll tell people in a minute. I think you've got some admin to deal with first. Yeah, I was just I was using you to tee them up. I think you've just you've just hyped it though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: you've, you've created a bit of tension and suspense. Everybody's <laughs> on the edge of their seat now.
0: So this week is uh, we're about to ship out our records for May. So if you're not part of our record club yet, you can still get involved. If you go to patreon.com forward slash unsungpod, you can. Join one of our three Lovely subscription models The first one is just Basically you're buying as a pint It's £4 a month Or whatever the equivalent is In your local currency You can get access to bonus episodes And you can join our fun Facebook group Uh, But if you want to just splash a little more cash you can join our record club first tier is digital so we send you a a digital download of our choice every month yeah curated download Mm -hmm. based on taste and there's a bit of uh,
1: back and forth with us establishing what you're going to like you can choose your host but yeah we'll send you something new and innovative something that you probably won't be able to find otherwise Mm -hmm. you know we're trying to source some interesting records and make sure money goes to bands and labels that can put it to good use uh,
0: directly to them as well yep and if you're feeling really flushed then um for £40 a month, or depending on where you are in the world, it's a little bit more, just for shipping. Do you know why we're charging shipping, Chris? Uh,
1: ships? Yes!
0: Exactly! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's so expensive, please give us some money. Uh, no, we'll send you a vinyl, actual fucking physical record, which we, Chris and I have littered in boxes all over our houses. <laughs> You're sitting in on one right now. I am, yeah. Um, uh, so we'll send you vinyl of Pretty much exactly what Chris said about digital, but it's a curated vinyl. um, And a digital album. And a digital album, which is different from the vinyl. Uh, Yeah, it's just a fucking party, man. Get involved. So the reason that you want to fund this podcast is
1: because other than us just bitching about crap indie albums, we can sometimes take a bit of time and do something a little bit different and a little bit special. And that's what we've done this episode Mm -hmm. and probably next episode. (laughs) Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. Um... I, uh, there's some thinking behind this episode, okay, because I've brought the subject of Ace of Bass, the Swedish pop quartet from the early to mid-90s, up on the show a number of times, and probably in quite disparaging terms, because I was made aware uh, around about, I think it was about 2014, of allegations that Ace of Bass were neo-Nazis or far-right affiliated or some sort of Trojan horse attempt to sneak Nazi ideology into the the popular subconscious And 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 I became a little bit concerned that I might be doing that with a bit more certainty and righteous indignation than it I was maybe entitled to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I began to worry a wee bit, what do I actually know? Uh, am I talking a load of shite? Am I, am I out of line? Am I just spreading this Because it's a cool hot take Because you know Everybody loves a hot take Everybody loves to Have that special knowledge That they can Unleash in someone else Um, Vicky I know we've spoken about it right Mm -hmm. So you knew about this rumour
2: Yeah definitely yeah I think from my point of view though I've always just been like Oh Ace of Base uh, Weren't they like Nazis When they were younger And didn't really know Who What was involved Anything I just assumed That the entire outfit Was involved in some Nazi behaviour When they were Before they became famous
1: Yeah First, that's the thing it's, it's it's not news I think plenty of fans of the music And I suppose just plenty of members of the public in general Have no idea But on the flip of that If you go and Google Ace of Bass Nazi Good luck getting to the end of those results mm-hmm. There's there's reams of this stuff Within those results You'll find the, the, the main articles that scooped it um, This particular episode relies heavily on a Vice article An infamous Vice article from April 2013 you also find a lot of examples of Ulf's responses Ulf being the member in particular that was at the heart of it Um, some of those articles are pretty measured some of them are stupid Um, Mm -hmm. but it is ultimately not a trivial thing and the issue merits discussion at least so yeah whilst I acknowledge that some people maybe aren't aware of it a lot of people are and I I just felt we had a kind of obligation to maybe look at it properly when an opportunity came up in case we're guilty of just being those people that are repeating something without actually checking it out first and I don't want to be that. there's some sort of Key recent coverage You know This, this actually all Kicked off in the early 90s But uh, The Vice article in 2013 uh, By a guy called Benjamin Shapiro And no It's not the same Ben Shapiro That you're probably Thinking of uh, That was titled Ace of Base Secret Nazi Past And also There was a follow up In 2015 In Cracked Titled How a pop band Tricked 9 million Americans Into being Nazis By Adam Todd Brown mm-hmm. And that title alone Tells you that That article Goes a fair bit Further uh, mm-hmm. And, and it's uh, speculation on what was actually going on. Classic cracked clickbait headline. Is, yeah, yeah. is that what they're known for, is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In right.
2: fact, the guy's called Todd Brown. is an sort of indication that it's a piece of shit as well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> so there's various takes. I mean, when you go through those results, when I mean, you just go through people's opinions in general, there's various takes that emerge. Um, it was one big mi- misunderstanding and or a fuss about nothing. That's kind of rare, Mm -hmm. uh, in my experience. Uh, It was totally true, and they're actually covert fascists spent in corrupting teenage minds. That's rare, but probably less rare, if Mm -hmm. I'm being honest. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was true, and they, especially Ulf, regret it. That's the majority. Yeah. And then there's a slightly more nuanced one which is, uh, is there a chance this band was initially an attempt at far-right pop, which was then abandoned when they unexpectedly attained success maybe due to the subtlety of the messaging meaning that most people didn't actually click on what the agenda was. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys at least are aware of this rumour. It's not all that esoteric, even if it's not completely mainstream, but for the fact that it was reported—I mean, some of some of the some of the publications that ran with it, all the major newspapers have something on it, you mm-hmm. know.
2: But they all seem it, there's not a huge amount of like primary sources on it. They're all quoting the same articles yeah, and all of that. That's, very, that's
1: very true. Mm-hmm. So the, I mean, to that end, so the opportunity finally did sort of present itself here, uh, in as much as I thought we'll talk about this and we'll really contextualize it, so we're going to go on a few deviations in the course of these these shows where we take in things like Swedish pop. Why is it so big? Why is it this giant cultural export? And we're also going to talk about Nazi punk a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about Swedish politics. And these are interesting issues in the orbit of this. And it'll give us an opportunity to look at them via the lens of this one particular controversy. And hopefully that'll make it a bit less dry and all-round educational. Okay, But I guess we should start with the basics and here's what we know for sure on the 27th of March 1993 Expressen one of the biggest papers in Sweden at the time reported that Ulf Ekberg uh, who was Part of Ace of Base had once been a member of a band called Commit Suicide. Uh, Commit Suicide was active in Gothenburg from 1983 to 1986 when Elf was between the ages of 13 and 16. Uh, in 1998, songs that were purported to have been recorded by Commit Suicide—they weren't actually recorded by Commit Suicide—but we'll come back to that later. It with explicit racist lyrics were released on the unauthorized mini album. Ufa was a Nazi. <laughs> Uh, Uffe being Ulf's nickname, I believe. We also know Ulf Eckberg was definitely, by his own admission, at one point in a neo-Nazi band. Mm -hmm. How long that lasted is maybe up for debate, uh, or how long his opinions and allegiances there lasted is maybe up for debate, and understandably he plays that down. We're going to have a look and see if his pleading tracks with reality... He has disputed some aspects of his musical past, but he's never, to my knowledge, questioned the authenticities of photos of him that emerged in SS shirts, like Iron Eagle shirts and Nazi shirts, Seek Island. And those photos are pretty widespread if you look them up. Um, later uh, in 2013, as I mentioned, other media media outlets, in particular Vice and Cracked, in 2015, brought the story back into the the, the mainstream into a new audience, including really to me. I'd missed it first time around, and this was when I became aware of it, and very titillated by it, given my fondness for crypto fascism or reading about it, mm-hmm. not for the actual <laughs> practice. <laughs> <laughs> I should say, in the interest of some sort of appearance of professionalism, uh, we did actually attempt to contact Ace of Base under management about this, given that we're you know potentially slandering, defaming, defaming the the band and the individuals. We we thought it's appropriate to reach out. Um, Despite years of trying to bury this story and probably them all being sick to the back teeth of questions on it, uh, I did say in that contact that we were attempting to be significantly more fair-minded than other outlets had been and perhaps we could even help, depending on what conclusions we arrived at, you know, clear some of it up. Um, we didn't get a reply from them and you know, I, I don't necessarily expect one, given how fed up they must be talking about it. And, and to be honest, not necessarily blame them if that is the case. No. Um, but in the interest of providing as much right to reply as possible, I have pulled together a number of responses and quotes by Of on the matter. Um, I've seen it reported that in 1997 documentary Our Story, uh, Ekberg said, I told everyone I really regret what I've done. I took the experience from it. I learned from it. But that life is not me. It's somebody else. Now, I can actually find that quote verbatim and I could only find a documentary called This Story, not Our Story from the same year, but... That was broadcast on Swedish television. I'm going to assume that's some kind of translational thing that, Mm -hmm. you know, the name has been written differently. In that show, he also says that he often quote, figurated in situations where people had swastikas, which is the most roundabout way of saying that. Oh yeah, I was in a Mm -hmm. neo-Nazi punk band. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, due to being the the youngest in a gang and feeling that he had to prove himself, apparently. Uh, he says he, quote, didn't care about the politics and was never against democracy or Jews. And he said, suddenly I was 18 and I started to realise this was not the life I want. Uh, in 2013, after the Vice article had reignited this whole controversy, he, he spoke to E! Online. During the early 1990s, I did dozens of interviews all around the world about people I sometimes found myself surrounded by in the 1980s. That is, found myself surrounded by It's a bit of a euphemism, right? Uh,
2: uh, Yeah, and it's quite like a passive Mm -hmm. sentence, isn't it?
1: And how profoundly regretful I am now about associating with such individuals. The teenage mistakes I did make in terms of my chosen ideas at the time were unfortunate and if I were to live through those days again, I would have done things very differently. I'm truly deeply sorry for any hurt and disappointment this has caused for our fans and I want to be very clear that Ace of Base never shared any of these opinions and strongly oppose all extremist opinions on both the right and left wing I do think it's interesting that he mentions the right and the left wing Mm -hmm. since this is clearly an allegation of being right wing I would probably say that as well but I do think it takes a little bit of political conditioning to want to specify that you're against left wing opinions as well. Do you know what I mean? It's all very well said. He does say extreme though Yeah
0: he does. Extreme's doing Mm -hmm.
1: a bit of heavy lifting there but Mm it is kind of important I'm, I'm not Disagreeing with his statement, I just think it's interesting that he went to the lengths to specify that he was also against extreme left-wing opinions.
0: Just saying, I think that's an interesting touch. uh, Sweden's kind of is is termed to be quite a left-wing country anyway, compared to the. The European order, as it were. Yeah, sort of centre-left. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, He continues, I have always been deeply regretful of that
1: period in my life as I strive to bring happiness to people and during that period I did not live up to that standard. I have not been involved in violence or political activism in the past 25 years. I'd highlight that or political activism in the past 25 years we'll come at that later mm-hmm. however I find some of my thoughts from those days nauseating to myself today my past is my own and only I can own up to it on the whole I actually think what he says is pretty clear yeah. you know mm-hmm. it's 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 saying yeah I did this mm-hmm. I was into this it's saying things like I found uh, some of my thoughts nauseating mm-hmm. you know Fair play to the guy, as he says, uh, and only I can own up to it. So that is the context of the controversy we're we're, we're getting at here. Okay, it's not up for debate. He's admitted that he was in that band. What we're going to be debating is the extent to which that uh, infiltrated other aspects of his career. But we should we should look into the wider story of the band for a bit more context. Okay, Ace of Base is fundamentally what happens when you look at ABBA and think to yourself, yeah. They're Aryan, but they're not quite Aryan enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. In, 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 on a number of levels, uh, the band was made up of Lin Berggren, double G, Jenny Berggren, Jonas Berggren, trio of siblings, and then Ulf Ekberg, the black sheep of the family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in mm-hmm. many ways, the, the black shirt of the family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> Buddha. <laughs> yeah, they have they have nicknames as well. So uh, Jonas was Joker, and Ulf was Buddha. He's not in the slightest bit fat or it doesn't really seem
0: that jolly or it <laughs> <laughs> wasn't jolly mate is he not? no he was he was chill, so okay. chill. Aye, I suppose
2: you get the laughing Buddha's though don't
1: you?
0: I mean he, chill people can laugh
1: mm-hmm.
0: I've heard that happen before <laughs> anyway
1: Ace of Base adopted a very well established recipe for pop success two men two women I think it seems pretty obvious that Possibly in the same way as the Beatles Or Oasis' massive success Here spawned explosions of bands That copied that style ABBA's spawned a huge pop bias in Sweden Mm -hmm. Right Um, Ironically the band were actually rejected By Polar Music which was ABBA's label It's also by the way the label that The Helicopters were on for a while But it is, it's worth also noting as well Before we, we dive in deeper that Ace of Base Did write the vast majority Of their early music and that's kind of one of those weird Phenomena from the 90s One of those things that slowly got Surgically sort of excised From mm-hmm. pop bands was like Oh no no you're not going to write your own stuff There's too much risk involved in that
2: And maybe that's because they heard Ace of Base's songs <laughs> <laughs> well, Yeah
1: but the thing is I mean okay they actually did have assistance from Producers mm-hmm. um, and, Aye. And In fact I think a young Max Martin gave His first ever co produced hit on their second record. what they did do themselves was far more than most especially Mm -hmm. most contemporary pop bands have managed they had some huge selling albums especially Happy Nation the record that we're going to focus on Mm. and it was mainly their work yeah even if it ages like milk no for all intents and purposes
2: they were a, a band
1: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And they wrote and they had great success doing mm-hmm. it. And so I can I can deride a lot of Ace's Bass's music and I, I will. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys, you guys may join me in that. Yeah. But they they did do it themselves. Mm-hmm. And kudos for that, you know. Mm-hmm. But maybe we should also place them in the context of Swedish pop. What is Swedish pop? Why is its influence and reputation so vast and you know
2: I couldn't believe it actually. Just how much music comes to Sweden that I didn't even realise was Swedish
1: It's it's mental.
2: Uh, It's amazing. Yeah,
1: so Sweden has a population of 10.3 million but has an insane level of representation in not only classic pop Mm -hmm. you know, the biggest selling acts are uh, ABBA and Roxette with Ace of Base third in that list. (laughs) Loads besides that as well Um, But also in songwriting and pop songwriting Mm -hmm. I mean there was a time in the charts when About half of the charts had been written by writers Marathon is a huge thing, right? Yep Um, I would actually say by the way I think maybe only Scotland has as disproportionate a musical legacy for population as Sweden And if you disagree you can fucking come at me But Scotland does have a grossly disproportionate amount of famous
0: and Quality music mm-hmm. that's come out of it. It's not just music, it's like in the arts in general. Scotland Punches are well above its weight. Yeah. And that's not to mention all the TV shows and the books and the fact that we fucking film Outlander here and all that and yeah. all the productions and stuff so yeah like also the comics I yeah. mean for Holly we know Kick-Ass mm-hmm. and The Watchmen and Judge
1: Dredd they're they're all Scottish writers and artists anyway the culture in Sweden as you mentioned earlier Mark is generally quite liberal social democratic I think it's described as with a fairly positive attitude towards progressive causes like LGBTQ plus rights immigration historically at least although they've, they've had their, their moments with that, especially uh, around about the time of the Syrian crisis, mm-hmm. the people are often tall and gorgeous, which does sometimes see them cast as
0: Aryan poster children, um, not least because of their Viking and Germanic heritage. I'm going to draw on some deep knowledge here, so I may get this completely wrong, but I'm fairly sure they had an, they effectively had a eugenics program up until the fift- from the end of the World War Two until the fifties. There you yeah. go, Sweden. So I'm <laughs> Mark's British, calling you, which out. is which is why <laughs> when I say eugenics is mostly about trying to get rid of people with disabilities from the society. It's gonna like post World War One up until the fifties period. Um, fact: Sweden has won Eurovision six times,
1: uh, only one behind uh, Ireland, which is the number one Eurovision mm-hmm. country. Um, Swedish pop Okay so there are Key circumstances Around the prevalence Of Swedish pop Sweden is consistently In the top 10 Of non-native Speaking English countries Based on the, the Survey work Of the, the The EF English proficiency index That's like education first Sweden is currently 8th in the world And Stockholm Is 5th like, in the world um, a debate actually exists uh, as to whether English should even be considered a foreign language in Sweden, or rather reclassified as either a second language or what they call a transcultural language due to its widespread use in education,
0: the media, and mm-hmm. beyond. Well, I don't know about Sweden, but I can definitely speak for Denmark and saying that uh, they do get taught it from pretty much, like, kindergarten onwards, like, English. Mm -hmm. And it's American English, specifically, to identify with American culture. Mm -hmm. Don't get taught British English. Funnily enough, it's probably not the same as Sweden, but up until, like, the 80s, the secondary language in Denmark was German. So, like, people of older generations speak Mm -hmm. more German than they do English. Because Germany's right there. Mm -hmm. But it's (laughs) interesting, though, that they speak German, yeah, more so than English. And the the implications that has... for pop culture. Okay, so well, that's, I could go on. I could go on for ages about how it affected Denmark pop culture. But continue. <laughs> the Swedish government, a bit like the French government,
1: actually, who only placed at number thirty-one on that, that index that we spoke about earlier, uh, actually took steps to strengthen the status of Swedish in Sweden. Um, the influx of U.S. Marines into Europe in the nineteen forties during World War Two changed a lot of demographics as countries adapted and absorbed those influences. Sweden was also one of a few countries to be further cross-pollinated by what they call German Schlager pop from nineteen fifty. Onwards, um, that music kind of blended with those American flavours in post war Sweden and created a kind of highly marketable trend and really tuneful westernised anglophone pop writing. Um, Schlager was very, very accessible and easy in the ears.
2: Einmal sehen wir uns wieder. und vielleicht schon übers Jahr. Geht vorbei.
1: Uh, and obviously, you had rock and roll and pop music coming with the American influences. Mm-hmm. So it was quite palatable to other markets. Um, in the 1960s, a few Swedish acts, including Mickey Markman and the Baby Grandmothers, which <laughs> <laughs> I've read that mm-hmm. I've read that so many times now doing these notes, and I always laugh. Um, Attained such popularity That they ended up Spending months Touring the USA Alongside bands Like Sly and the Family Stone And Grand Funk Railroad And they then took Those influences and stuff Back to Sweden Where Mm -hmm. they were quite prominent so the Swedish proficiency in English played a huge part in the pop explosion in the 1970s as artists sang in English, which immediately opened them up to the UK, American and Australian markets, especially amongst many others like Canada and stuff, uh, that would otherwise have ignored Swedish-speaking bands. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's a, that's a big thing in terms of the marketability. That border crossing trend continues today across most genres in Sweden still. You know, everything from metal and punk. You know, you hear Swedish punk bands and think they're American bands. Mm-hmm. Um, the Beatles also happened in a really big way in Sweden. Uh, I know they happen in a big way everywhere, but especially so in Sweden, given the widespread nature of English there. That, that led to a flurry of bands in that vein, including the Hep Stars, featuring Mr. Benny Anderson, who was spoken about from Abba in our Abba mixtape. Go back and listen to that.
0: Oh, won't you
1: Uh, also dance band music or just abbreviated dance band emerged as a distinctive style in the 70s in Sweden with big melodies big commercial hooks and <laughs> Swedish household names such as Flamingo Vindetten <laughs> <laughs> Visex and leaves, so I'm sure we're all really familiar with them mm-hmm. um, mm, taking pride in our cultural ignorance uh, the Swedish prog movement also began at that time which is by the way is not to be confused with english prog which was an abbreviation progressive rock slightly different and the swedish prog pro double g had a distinctive sort of arty challenging sound and a a left-wing political bent as well that saw it become protest music against things like nuclear arms war and even commercial things like eurovision It, it, it became quite oppositional adversarial 1974 was a huge year for Swedish music the band Blue Swede reached number one in the US Billboard 100 with their cover of uh, Hooked on a Feeling which Mm -hmm. I'm sure we all know Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's Is that in
2: Pulp Fiction or Rise of Wild Dogs or something?
1: I don't know but it's not in Guardians of the Galaxy I think Guardians of the Galaxy and all that yeah. yeah a big ironic kind of song now that that's coming back as well a bit like ELO it's kind of up there with them isn't Mm -hmm. it Um, that same day that that got to number one ABBA won the Eurovision Song Contest in Brighton with Waterloo as well, which reached number six in the Billboard 100, so it, it was a really big moment in mm-hmm. that musical culture. Over the next few years, ABBA had nine UK number ones, 18 top tens, they had a number one Billboard hit with Dancing Queen, and alongside Led Zeppelin were the only band to have eight consecutive number one albums, they effectively cemented the template for pure pop, uh, and it was a new era for Swedish music that, that hastened in an interesting bit of trivia to do with Swedish music by the way um, Swedish tax law allowed bands to claim outfits as tax deductible as long as they were obviously not something that could be worn in everyday life yeah. and were thus necessary to the performance to the yeah. music so Swedish bands began to sport increasingly outrageous mm-hmm. and expensive costumes because they were tax deductible yeah. and that actually created a bit of a, a, a visual trend in, in the market mm-hmm. um, ABBA split in 1982 uh, and we all know that was the end of music right but mm. in 1982 Eighty-six, the band Europe, also Swedish, had a number one hit in twenty-five countries with the final counting Yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, perfect. Uh, the
1: the single sold eight million copies, uh, and that's that's you know long before streaming was a thing. Mm-hmm. And the album sold seven million units. That same year, Marie Fredriksson and Per Gessle, I think it's pronounced, pre- uh, formed rock set. Mm. They had four number ones. Listen, to your heart must have been in love. The look, joyride. <laughs> absolute fucking belt of the mm-hmm. band rock set uh, they've sold 45 million albums uh, in 1995 they were also the first western band allowed to play China since Wham in 85 uh, and then 1988 saw the arrival of Nina Cherry who I didn't know was Swedish till mm-hmm. we started doing this and I guess that means Eagle Eye Cherry is Swedish as well Um, and all of that led to what is known as the Chiron phenomenon in the 1990s This is all playing into a culture where Okay, there's a lot of music But gradually that music doesn't just become an incidental thing It becomes an industry mm-hmm. in the country And Chiron was a big, big turning point in that, okay Chiron actually closed in 2000 which, which was two years after its co-founder Dennis Pop died of cancer He was only 35 and he died as well in um, that decade though that studio and Dennis along with songwriting partner Max Martin that we mentioned earlier on launched the careers of Ace Bass Base and then many other bands besides including Robin Dr. Alban, with that song It's, it's, my, my, life.
0: Stop me. it's my Life
2: It's My Life
1: Um, mm-hmm. And rednecks, cotton an eye Joe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: yeah, it's pure like primary seven skill disco stuff for absolutely me.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Traditional uh, song, that isn't it? Mm-hmm. it? Actually, is.
2: I think so. Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh mm-hmm.
1: Fantastic. Um, <laughs> well, I know nah,
0: that version, obviously. No.
1: <laughs> Max Martin also quickly started working on hits for Backstreet Boys, Gary Barlow, Brian Adams, Bon Jovi, Boyzone, Britney Spears, and that's that's me only going through the letter B. Mm-hmm. This All guy the has <laughs> a lot of
0: fucking songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he and has. Un- I think he's got more credits, more producer credits to his name in British chart history than George Martin, who. Who it was before Because he'd done so many Beatles singers Uh,
1: Well apparently Only John Lennon and Paul McCartney Have written more number ones Than Max
0: Martin Yep Uh Marathon Like I said Marathon's a huge deal man Still is
1: That track uh, Baby One More Time uh, Britney Spears Mm -hmm. track Was written by Max uh, And Dennis Pop While Dennis was terminally ill In hospital And Max would go back and forward With uh, the ideas for the song And Dennis would then Modify them from his hospital bed Um, It was originally meant for TLC Yeah yeah, mm I
2: didn't know that But interesting
1: Now quite aside To that whole Chiron thing That led to Most of the big acts Now the Katy Perry's And the Taylor Swift's And stuff Are still getting songs From Max Martin And his Mm -hmm. ilk Another breakout act From Sweden that decade Was the Cardigans Yeah. Uh, although they had no connection to Chiron. They were a huge indie band uh,
0: and they were massive in Sweden, but they were massive here as well. And
2: we spoke about them one year. We p- did. Send a
1: pound.
0: Yep. Um, was that album that we did, Grand Chess? Was that not recorded at Polar Studios? I think it was,
1: yeah. 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 Um, I would also mention the band The Wanna Dies. Mm-hmm. Remember them? Uh, you and Me song. It was in C- Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet as mm-hmm. well, yeah. And also the band Whale, who had a massive hit with "Hobo hump and Slobo Big when I was a kid. Don't remember you know, that, but I bet I, I bet sing it. She's a hobo humping slobo babe. Get up, get up.
2: Get up. Yes, yeah. I do remember that. Oh my god. <laughs>
1: I yes. no was idea. A,
2: yes, I do I'm remember. Take that
1: as a Get up. Get up.
2: <laughs> yeah, I do. Oh, Jinx, right, yeah, okay. So that was well. It um, was a pure blast for the past.
1: Yeah, absolutely. By the way, I will say, it's worth noting, and I wasn't sure, but Wigfield's Italian and Aqua were Danish-Norwegian, so... Glad we cleared that yeah, up. Clearing that up. Um, we should also not forget the single most important musician and pop star to emerged from Sweden. Crazy Frog. <laughs> ba ba
2: dum bam ba dom bom 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 bom
0: What's going on?! Oh. <laughs> ding, ding, ding!
1: Oh, no. oh
2: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Swedish export. Um, <laughs> Can we go back to talking about Ava, please? <laughs> Into the 2000s, more producers kept coming out of Sweden, such as Red One, who wrote for Lady Gaga. Red A- One, A- <laughs> for Lady Gaga, Akon, Michael Jackson, Nicki Minaj, Pitbull, and obviously Rod Stewart. Who by the way Was pulling pints The other day the After the Celtic game Down mm. the road Was he really? Yeah, yeah he just I. took himself Behind the bar And did a shift Aye. Some boy Mad bastard <laughs> um, Robin also reappeared In 2007 With a cool new sound And then bands like Roixop Eric Prides and That's ah, that me song mm-hmm. uh, Bass Hunter Now you Oh I love that bass Hunter song They I'm sure. to appear <laughs> uh, The 2010 uh, That brought us Swedish House Mafia And Avicii oh It my. also brought us A bit more Robin And and it's whole. Sweden also did really well with the kind of cooler end of the pop pit spectrum. We've done stuff on the knife In the early two thousands. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, somebody called Lakey Lie is quite yeah, big. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jose González uh, (laughs) did well briefly Uh, first aid kit I didn't realise they were Swedish they were doing pretty well Uh, the hives obviously Mm -hmm. had their moment Um, and, and Sweden also, of course, has a long history of breakthrough punk and metal with crossover success And a strong catalogue of extreme metal, the tradition of garagey punk and hardcore acts You've got Millencolin, helicopters, refused, backyard babies, this fear, no fun at all Can you appreciate the life we left
2: behind? Or was it just a waste of time?
1: labels like Burning Heart, who had Parkway Drive, Boy its Fire, Turbo Negro. Bad Taste records They all made a name For themselves On varying degrees Of the punk scene And the pop punk scene And then you've got Some of the, the really heavy stuff That they've pretty much Almost got cornered Like Meshuggah Marduk Opeth Nozum Catatonia The Haunted Entombed Dissection Dark Funeral Cult of Luna, Bathory At the Gates Amon Amarth oh So many fucking my bands God. I don't really say household names, I don't think a Monomar no. for a household name, but if you're into metal there... Oh,
2: I used to manage the metal section in Virgin Megastore and you've just said a lot yeah. of names there that I recognise.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so Seth <laughs> <do SFL. laughs> It's It's Bathory. crazy how much fucking music came mm-hmm. out in Sweden. Yeah. So Ace of Base were clearly immersed in a culture of music and had plenty of resources at their disposal, plenty of support and a network and loads of studios and probably loads of encouragement, okay? Mm-hmm. Jonas and, and Ulf as the main songwriters had an existing love of electronic music, however... Ace of Base is more than an electronic band. It's an overt pop project, especially, you know, considering one of the members was transitioning from punk rock, you know, Mm -hmm. Nazi punk background. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's an element of intent there and arguably I'd say an element of financial ambition. You don't just stumble into that as an idle hobby. Pop, especially slick commercial pop, is actually quite a difficult thing to realise. You kind of just bang it out in a garage, Mm -hmm. you know. Although I suppose some of the household systems now you probably can but ace of bass were also at the leading edge of a new generation of pop in sweden forming a band like that was not a guaranteed route to stardom and credibility was an issue for the band from the beginning even before passed past weird mm-hmm. its head i think the question was whether the band was born of a sincere love of pop or was it an attempt to become somewhat famous mm-hmm. and if the latter uh, especially as far as the more conspiratorial theories are concerned going back to what we talked about at the start of the show uh, were his beliefs incidental to that success or was the platforming of them as say cracked magazine might suggest a, a major motivating factor for the undertaking of the band now, that's quite paranoid thinking that they mm-hmm. decided to start a band to sort of trojan horse these ideas into people's houses but that idea is pretty well represented out there yeah you know um and back, back to the history of the band so having decided on this musical approach they needed a name and this is significant right the name's Ace of Bass what the fuck is Ace of Bass and why for example is Bass spelt B-A-S-E and not B-A-S-S when it's a kind of clubby pop band mm-hmm. you know uh, Wikipedia gives a quote from Elf saying that uh, Ace of Base's name is extrapolated from the Motorhead song Ace of Spades, and it stuck due to the idea of four aces. There was four aces in the band, uh, and he—I think he also said this in an interview with a thing called EuroMen Travel Magazine. The magazine asked him, "Some people say the name Ace of Base stems from your first practice room in a basement. The four of you were the four aces in the basement base, hence Ace of Base." Is that a true story? And Elf replies, "No, totally wrong." Laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> <laughs> we simply made that story up TV, radio and magazines were constantly asking us about our name, so we needed the story to tell the true story is this one one day I woke up badly hung over in front of this huge TV it played music videos and Motorhead's Ace of Spades was on this would make for a cool band name I thought and shortly thereafter Ace of Bass was born alright mm-hmm. um in his 2015 article, things get really spicy when the crack writer Adam Todd Brown theorised that Ace of Base's name really derived from a World War II submarine base. Okay, And this is interesting, because okay, mm-hmm. that version goes, quote, The name is most likely a reference to the Keraman submarine base, a massive U-boat launching and docking facility constructed by the Nazis in the French town of Lorient it's considered one of the most important and ambitious projects of the entire war for their side in 1941 the missions that embarked from this facility alone were responsible for taking out more than 500 allied ships because of the high success rate of the submarine missions Kerman was nicknamed the base of Aces
0: mm-hmm. bullshit mm-hmm. <laughs> so his, yeah. his take
1: goes on as far as Nazi references go it's kind of obscure but if some piece of shit Nazi started a pop band with the intent of spreading Nazi propaganda subliminally to the masses and thought he was so much smarter than everyone else that he could slip a Nazi reference right into his band's name without anyone noticing we'll leave that thought hanging my take on that, that's tenuous but it's not impossible no it's okay. tenuous but it's not impossible there, there is that sort of nudge nudge wink wink thing of like that's quite clever it's coded it's coded you know it's cool we've all slipped wee hidden jokes into track names and stuff mm-hmm. in the past so i do think it's reaching a wee bit
2: when, it, when i first when i read that article and it was going on about the the, the base never now i was like this is such a reach and then but when it got to the bit that was like it was called base of aces i was like that is a weird coincidence
0: and it's also base B A S it seems really unlikely to me that it would be a, a, an obscure Nazi reference. I mean, I don't, I can't imagine someone that, just taking him on his word here, who claimed he was just part of a ragtag group of Nazis when he was a wee guy, is going to be so steeped in Nazi history that he's going to learn about this fucking obscure base in the south of France.
1: Sure, but I'm devil's mm-hmm. advocate here. In isolation, you're right. Yes, that's a bit random. Mm-hmm. However, bearing in mind that 10 years before, that, in fact, more than 10 years before this, there were photos of him wearing custom-made SS shirts, clearly had a lot of neo-Nazi paraphernalia and, you know...
2: So you think he could he could have been playing down how much he knew about it, but actually he could have been quite interested in it and known things, that, obscure facts like that.
1: I mean, like, I'm just... Mm-hmm. I'm being devil's advocate here. I'm not trying to, mm-hmm. try to show my hand on what I think is credible or not. If that was the only thing, that would be an absurd
0: assumption. But is there a pattern? Let's... Mm-hmm. Let's investigate. I mean, you could argue that about, you could argue that about Slayer as well. As a we pattern in their music. But exactly, we did. And, you know, the conclusion we, did, we came and to and we it, concluded it, yeah. that that was nonsense. Yeah. Uh, probably. Um, so, the band line up,
1: the prehistory, the musical origins. Jonas and his sister started as Tech Noir, which, by the way, is the nightclub from Terminator. I'm mm-hmm. sure you immediately realised that. You got me burning. Listen, I've never seen Terminator, so...
0: That is fucking ridiculous.
2: I think I've seen Terminator 2 a couple of times. Yeah. I've never seen the first one.
0: The first one's great.
2: How... I saw the second one because it was out when it was real lassie and I liked Edward Furlong but um, I've never seen That's the That's also
0: one. ridiculous, nobody
1: likes Eddie Furlong <laughs> <laughs>
2: He's oh, guy's a mess, it's a son <laughs>
1: Anyway, so when they started as a band called Tech Noir, playing kind of typical 90s electronic pop. Jonas says he was a huge New Romantic fan. Uh, Ulf is a colourful character. Acerdom.de, the website, goes deep on him, including the recurring rumour, that I did see this in a few different publications, that at the age of four, his behaviour became destructive. For instance, <laughs> he and his buddies burned down a playground. At and four? At four. <laughs> Brackets. <laughs> And some say the school as well. heard he did 9-11 as well um, I mean, just, Four year olds piling down p- playgrounds Yeah just pile it all on top yeah. um, I mean that honestly That, that,
0: that fucking appeared that a few places be true. Um,
1: It continues, in 1982 Ulf started an, a new school It was during this period that he started drinking and doing drugs He also joined the skinhead gang BSS which translates into Keep Sweden Swedish When the gang broke off into two factions he was drawn into the more radical of the two which sided with the Aryan resistance Ulf realised that his lifestyle was no good when the violence hit Hit too close to home Apparently two of his Closest friends were killed I mm-hmm. didn't find anything That verified that That's Acerdom.de Claiming that um, In terms of his music When asked what got him Into music Ulf replied One word Craftwork I'm the
0: operator With my
1: and he specifically described Computer World the album computer world as proving you could combine pop and technology to great success uh, he also said uh, I met Jonas in the mid 1980s both of us were heavy Depeche Mode fans at the time so the first project we started together was Tech noir, where we mainly played faster electronic music mm-hmm. okay First of all, he says, heavy Depeche Mode fans, which is the most Glaswegian phrase I've heard <laughs> mm-hmm. Heavy Depeche. And they were. because
2: heavy Depeche, Depeche Mode fans. The start of the video for the sign is the four of them like in, like turning round in the darkness before mm-hmm. it starts. And that's like the start of um, that Depeche Mode video. Oh.
1: Interestingly though, he says he played in Technoir. Okay. Now I understood originally that Technoir was just Jonas and his two sisters. Elf claims that he was in Technoir. Now that's interesting for the chronology of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. The 2013 Vice article puts forth Its own version of their band's origin They say Here's how Eckberg found his way into Ace of Bass In August of 1990 A Gothenburg musician named Jonas Bergrin Was hours from playing a show with his band Who'd been performing for several years As either CAD, Technoir Or Callanan Prospect At the last minute their bass player decided to ditch the show To go watch the Rolling Stones on the other side of town So Berg—that's By the way that's such a fucking high school band experience <laughs> man. So Bergrin asked his friend Eckberg Ekberg to fill in. A few weeks later, they dubbed their new lineup Ace of Base. It's unclear whether or not Berggren, or the rest of Ace of Base, knew about Ekberg's previous dalliances with neo Nazism when they asked him to join. But We actually know that that's not accurate. Ulf was in a band called Commit Suicide for around three years in his teens and they were an overtly neo-Nazi band. Mm -hmm. Before Ace of Base formed, Jonas was socialising and writing songs with Ulf and Ulf's already said that he was actually in Tech Noir. You know, if Vice had actually read a 1993 interview with Bravo magazine in Germany, I think Bravo magazine was affiliated with that TV station that there used to be as well, they would know that the band members elaborated upon that chronology of events. In the interview, Bravo asked them, how much do you actually know about Ulf's past as a skinhead and member of the Nazi group? And Jenny replied, I'm about to reveal a secret we've still not revealed to anyone. We knew everything from the beginning. Ulf wanted to be in the band and we told him, we want you to be part of the band, but our condition is you have to break with your past. He promised us that and that was enough for us. We knew this bomb would explode and we knew we'd take it if we supported each other. So it's interesting to just finally dispel any notion that there was ambiguity about the rest of the band knowing what Ulf Ekberg was into. They knew. Mm-hmm. Um in the 1997 documentary I mentioned earlier The story, uh, that details how Jonas and Ulf were friends from school Before the latter's leanings towards The skinhead gangs yeah. Right. Technoir and Commit Suicide apparently Shared a rehearsal room they and, knew. and Ulf did work on music at the time With Jonas um, So to be clear, Technoir shared a practice space With a band that sang <laughs> fascist songs yeah. There was an explicit Awareness of Ulf's gang activities Music and attitudes So there is Aye definitely a level of accommodation and tolerance Mm -hmm. for pretty horrendous beliefs and stances there albeit we have to remember we're talking about teenagers
2: exactly yeah
1: um as we began to move away from the gangs with encouragement from his parents apparently he began to work more in music with the three siblings and jenny describes his style of dress changing at that time and him getting to be more like his old self and quote less of a juvenile delinquent I think it's important to remember we're talking about kids here, Mm -hmm. but it is also important to acknowledge that they knew this guy was a neo-Nazi, that he he was hanging around with skinheads, that he was saluting pictures of Hitler and wore SS t-shirts and Iron Eagles and things like that.
2: I'm just playing devil's advocate, but like, see when if it's people you grow up with and they're your friends through school or whatever, and then one of them gets in with a bad crowd, I think that there's, especially when you're a teenager... There is a kind of level of going oh what is he doing hanging about with him like getting in with that crowd or whatever but maybe even you'd still talk to them or Mm -hmm. you're still friends with them out with that and forgiveness is probably easier when you're younger as well and I don't know I just think I don't see that as such a big deal really that he took up with a our, our bad crowd when he was younger but still had pals that weren't involved in that and they were like right you've put that behind you now like come and hang about with us it's just I don't there's nothing really I don't I don't think oh they should have totally called him out or they shouldn't have gone in a band with him they were they like you say they were teenagers and they grew up together
1: yeah I mean I, I don't think it would happen now but I don't think we well, should no, view it through the lens of now
2: but Teenagers now are more about escalating conflict than <laughs> diffusing
1: it. That's true. That innocent I mean, tolerance, that innocent country, accommodation,
0: yeah. seeing past the differences is definitely a thing of the past. In this country, I'm sure it's probably culturally different for how t- teenagers, in some respects, act in Scandinavia. Mm.
1: I don't know, man. Mm. I don't know if it would be that different from Scandinavia. I think it's maybe just changing attitudes more than, than borders.
2: Mm. If you know that somebody's just kind of impressionable as well, and they've just fallen in with a bad crowd, I don't know
1: it was years though it was uh-huh. years that he was in, he was into mm-hmm. this stuff um, the Bravo interview actually further probes the rest of the band's take on the matter uh, Bravo asks them have you ever felt anger over Ulf's past Jonas replies thank god but it seems like people are completely done with it <laughs> hey well I got news for you it's 2022 we're doing mm-hmm. a show we're about still it. talking about it that <laughs> was 1993 sorry to let you down um, people were very kind to us wherever we gave concerts especially in Israel because we were afraid that there might be problems there
2: Oh I read an account on a blog just randomly about a lassie who the DJ started playing the sign or something about or a mitzvah. <laughs> she was like, Stop, stop, stop mm-hmm.
1: Also <laughs> oh, somebody needs to break it to Jonas that, that there are definitely problems in Israel. Um yeah. I can uh Ulf then says, I can breathe a sigh of relief that it's all over again. Sorry mate. Um <laughs> I think it's good that I spoke frankly about my past and didn't keep quiet. People saw that I was really sorry for what I did. Lynn also uh, told the Toronto Sun newspaper in 95 We have this Christian way of living to understand people and say Okay, you've got a problem here Let's take care of it Instead of turning your back on somebody Mm -hmm. Okay, fair enough You Mm -hmm. know, that's a fairly comprehensive journey Mm -hmm. Through what they claim were the origins of it And the timeline of it And their attitudes towards it
2: Yeah and um, maybe when he says it's behind me he means I've not got any more skeletons in my closet and I've said everything that I need to say and I'm glad that I don't need to worry about anything mm-hmm. else coming out now because it's came out and that's it mm-hmm.
1: and that's what I'm not entirely sure about but okay. let's dig into that yeah. Um. so to get some more context we should look at the scene uh, and the band that came before Ace of Base for Ulf, uh and the the band that spawned so much of the controversy that's dogged them for almost three decades now um, Nazi Punk, the scene around Commit Suicide Uh, Let's talk a wee bit about Nazi punk Just very briefly As Steve Knopper pointed out In GQ Since day one Punk rockers had flirted With fascist imagery For shock value With the Mm -hmm. Sex Pistols Sid Vicious And Susie Sue Wearing swastikas in public However in 1978 In Britain uh, The National Front Initiated a punk oriented Youth organisation Called the Punk Front Uh, Although the Punk Front Only actually lasted one year It recruited several English punks As well as forming A number of white power Punk bands Such as Dentist The Vent Tragic Minds and White Boss and in the early 1980s the white power skinhead band Brutal Attack fully morphed into a Nazi punk band mm-hmm. so wake from your bed
0: and raise your head Aryan
1: child listen to um, The Rock Against Communism movement originated in the United Kingdom in late 78 with far-right activists that were directly linked to the National Front. That was intended to counter the Rock Against Racism movement, Uh, obviously a really high-profile thing involving the Clash and Specials and so many others. Um, The first uh, Rock Against Communism concert was in Leeds, Yorkshire uh, in 1978 featuring uh, the dentists and the vents. RAC, Rock Against Communism, held, held one concert in 1979 and another in spring 1983, which was headlined by the band Screwdriver, who are synonymous mm-hmm. with Nazi punk.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
1: they were a white power rock band led by a guy called Ian Stuart Donaldson. Mm. Uh, After that RAC concerts were held more often They were often headlined by Screwdriver And featured other white power bands such as Skullhead and No Remorse In the mid-1980s summer concerts were also often held At the Suffolk home of Edgar Griffin A Conservative Party activist and father of Nick Griffin Mm -hmm. A National Front organiser who later became the National Chair of the BNP The British Mm -hmm. National Party who we're all familiar with Mm -hmm. over here I think by the late 1980s, the RAC name had given way to the White Noise Club, another National Front-based group, and later Blood and Honour, which was set up by uh, Ian Stewart-Donaldson when they fell out with the National Front leadership. As hardcore punk music became more popular in the 90s and 2000s, many white power bands took on a more hardcore-influenced sound, and then the Nazi punk subculture appeared in the US by the early 1980s in the hardcore punk scene. How does that affect Nazi punk in Sweden? Inspired in many ways by the movement in the UK in the early 1980s, the neo-Nazi movement in Sweden began to encourage the formation of bands as a way of attracting new young recruits and spreading its message. The group Altma Tule, Tule, however you want to say it, formed in 1984 and they kind of grew to epitomise the mobilising potential of far-right-aligned groups. And to be clear here as well, Ultima Tule outwardly reject Nazi and fascist labels and at least once on record have publicly stopped a concert because they saw people seek Kylan in the audience. Mm-hmm. However, and it's a big fucking however, their first vocalist and frontman Bruno Hansen was a prominent member of the fascist Nordic Realm Party in the early 1980s. They played more than 30 skinhead events alongside groups like Agent Bulldog, Viet Aggression and Durlvanger. They appeared in compilation albums alongside Screwdriver and Brutal Assault. They set up a store and record club which sold and released albums by openly neo-Nazi groups like Sevastika and Ragnarok Records. Ultima Tool's story, it, it kind of revolved around the district of Nikoping in, in Sweden and in the nearby district of Norkping in the early 1990s, a fanzine called Dead or Alive sprang up. That actually soon moved online and in 1993 rebranded to Flashback this becomes a big factor. Zine culture is obviously a big thing in the right, especially free speech absolutists. Flashback was... Going to become a highly controversial uh, platform. It claimed to prioritise freedom of speech, and was, I think, safe to say, a, a foreshadowing of the direction the internet would take for a lot of people bolstering the, the far right in the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, in ninety eight, in response to Ulf Ekberg's earlier comments, distancing himself from his neo-Nazi youth, some of the euphemisms we mentioned earlier on, where he said he was around neo-Nazis, yeah. he was in company of neo-Nazis, found himself, found himself, yeah, he distanced himself in that way, and also distanced himself from links to the Sweden Democrats, a, far, a kind of right to far right party in in, in Sweden. Flashback released a CD titled "If It Was a Nazi as a response to that, vividly illustrating his history within the neo-Nazi punk movement as part of Commit Suicide. That established, it's probably worth taking a look at the band Commit Suicide in a bit more detail as they're interested in ways beyond just Ulf's membership in them. Commit Suicide's members, uh, Ulf Ekberg obviously, Anders Klarström, Jens Svensson and Jens Larsson. They were active between 83 and 86 and had a small fan base in Gothenburg. They held a few performances there and the largest was a big outdoor one on, I think it's called the City Avenue, Gothenburg Avenue. I think it's how that translates. Um, Anders Klarström is very important. He went on to be the founding member of the Sweden Democrats. In the beginning, that party did not actually have a formal leader, but Klarström held that position from late in, I think, 1988 and eventually became the first real party leader. He participated in writing the first party platform in eighty-nine, and wrote most of the 1993 programme ahead of the general election that year. We will come back to that a wee bit. Prior to the Sweden Democrats, he was also an attendee at meetings of the Nordic Reich movement. Um, I will say, of the other two members, Jens Svensson and Jens Larsson, I couldn't find a lot. There's a contemporary Swedish composer named Jens Larsson. I don't know if it's the same guy, um, although a lot of search search results seem to have been removed for that guy, so it's hard to establish if it is him. It may well not be, it may just be a coincidence, but it could be. Um, So, despite or indeed perhaps because of those earlier denunciations and I think likely provoked in no small way by that 1997 Swedish TV documentary I've spoken about where he attempted to admit and also play down Mm -hmm. the earlier beliefs and credentials. That issue refused to go away and in 1998 it got a huge injection of publicity Lost Media Wiki states uh, During a TV interview in March 93 Ulf had supposedly adamantly denied ever having anything to do with commit suicide the Sweden Democrats or Nazism as a whole As a response to this Swedish record label Flashback Records began searching their archives for recordings of commit suicide With the fruits of their labour being put up for purchase on the website in 98, a 5 track compilation CD of recordings from the band entitled Ufo was a Nazi
2: I 5 years after he said that
1: mm. However, uh, Flashback Records stated publicly, the purpose of the album is not to question a person's political convictions, the purpose is instead to prove that Ulf Ekberg's background is different from the one he gave to 60 million American TV viewers in March 93, where he, among other things, denied that he had ever been a Nazi. The album is released due to Ekberg's cowardice, the material is therefore in some places very rough and sensible people are warned that's effectively a trigger warning isn't it mm-hmm. <laughs> from a free speech absolutist outfit releasing nazi records they've put out a trigger warning that's very nice of them mm-hmm. um yeah you're right it was five years later however in 97 in that documentary he'd also again softly distanced himself from directly being responsible for a lot of those beliefs that may have an- kind of antagonized so
2: he never really took ownership after of it till after that came out then
1: well, the the later comments, yeah, the 2013 comments especially were the ones where he took full ownership of it, I think, the <laughs> nauseating thing, that was in 2013. Um, even though it was a thousand copies, the release of that wee record made international news. It was played in Israeli radio, German TV, Norway, Finland, Denmark, USA. Ace of Base already had to hire bodyguards for their tours following 1993 duty anti-Nazi protesters targeting the band. The track names on it are blatant and shocking. I don't know Swedish, so uh, Roar into vardland translates to Don't touch your country
0: <laughs> inte translates
1: to, your country. <laughs> 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 translates to White power black skull slaughter um mm-hmm. there is also a cover of Screwdriver Smash the IRA which is modified to be Smash the VPK. They so smash, smash, VPK. Smash, smash.
0: Corrupt politicians and snippling let me scam I can tend to let them get away.
1: The VPK, or the Left Party, is a socialist and feminist party in Sweden. Um, The record also contained a booklet with pictures of Ekberg from that time, including three pictures where he's making a Hitler salute, Mm -hmm. one picture where he's wearing a KKK shirt, and another one where he's wearing a swastika shirt. He
2: sounds like he was a wee dick. Mm -hmm.
1: The pictures of the Hitler salute had actually first surfaced in Express in that newspaper in 97. Mm -hmm. Wolf responded to that release... I did have a synth band called Commit Suicide between 84 and 86 with two gentlemen called Jens Anderson and Jens Svensson. He doesn't mention Anders Klarström in that comment.
2: Yeah, because people would recognise that name and from Anders
1: the political party. Anders Klarström the far-right party. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting, right? So he is trying to obfuscate. A wee bit, mm-hmm. yeah. And we were talking about he doesn't have any more skeletons in his closet. Mm, mm-hmm. Peeking it. Mm-hmm. Um, He goes on, and two of the songs in this demo were written and performed by us. The problem is that the other four songs were skinhead music with very racist lyrics. These songs have absolutely nothing to do with Commit Suicide. We did not write or perform those songs that were attributed to us. Commit Suicide was a new wave music band creating and performing electronic music on synthesizers without any political touch or agenda. The racist songs on this demo were not by us But our potential association with such groups Is a matter I truly regret So, that's odd
2: So he's saying that it wasn't That those recordings aren't them So who are they?
1: Four of the tracks, as I understand it Were re-recorded and they were meant to be re-recordings of their songs. Of their original ones. Including the one that was Smash the VPK mm-hmm. that was adapted from Smash the IRA. Now, technically, yeah, he didn't write Smash the IRA. That's a screwdriver song. Yeah. But as I understand it, the rewrite of Smash the VPK was a commit suicide mm-hmm. rewrite. Um, I think that angle's a little confused. It, it, you know, he openly admits to being a neo-Nazi. He openly admits to the photos of the Sea kiles the swastika logos and all, but then refutes having ever written Nazi lyrics or
0: songs. Um... Maybe he didn't.
2: Maybe he didn't, just sang them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe he only did do those two songs and uh, the people at Flashback have got their own agenda.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, it could be that.
0: Yeah, you know. well, who are Flashback? Flashback Media Group is a controversial
1: Swedish media group run by Jan Axelsson. It's a large forum community in Swedish and in English uh, where everyone is allowed total freedom of speech. That always ends well. The forum has been investigated by the Swedish police on numerous occasions and is under constant surveillance. Due to its members' abundant discussions about drug use, child porn, race science, bestiality, and you fucking name it, it's on there. Flashback originates from that Dead and mm-hmm. Alive fanzine that I spoke about, published by, I mean, the then 14-year-old Jan Axelson in Norkoping that developed into multiple projects focusing on different aspects of subcultures mainly punk and changed its name in 93 like I said, uh, the website published in 95, the proclaimed goal was still to maintain freedom of speech and express underground political opinions he said, Jan uh, said that the, the magazine and website are opinion neutral and have no religious or political affiliations but are uncensored uh, the website has on multiple occasions been shut down by the authorities and fined hundreds of thousands of krona uh, after a trial in 2002 became illegal for flashback to run discussion forum in sweden unless all the posts were moderated uh, i think because of hate speech and obscenity mm-hmm. laws and after 2003 forum management was moved to british company the servers remain hosted in sweden however and it's still regularly reported to the swedish police for insult slander etc flashback records that put out the record is the label of flashback media group and so far flashback records has released only one title which is... If I
2: was a Nazi.
1: Yep, you guessed it. Mm-hmm. The website and the press release for that CD are interesting. Uh, they They read... The album was a Nazi contains Ulf Eckberg's past as an acclaimed, brackets, well, Nazi idol. Flashback has looked up all the old recordings from this time and published them in a special edition of 1,000 numbered copies. The disc includes recordings with several groups and stel- styles of music. Here, pure rock is mixed with synth and ska. There is even a cover of the White Power group Screwdriver Smash the IRA, which with Ulf Ekberg, is called Smash the VPK. The album also contains a booklet in colour with lots of old pictures of Ulf Ekberg from this time. In these pictures Ekberg greets Hitler. In one picture he wears a Ku Klux Klan t-shirt and in another a t-shirt with a large swastika. Here is also documentation from his time in the Sweden Democrats. Mm. Signatures from early meetings where Ulf Ekberg was secretary and a picture of Ekberg posing together with the old core of the party. Now, that I think is really interesting. Mm-hmm. If you cast your mind way back to his quotes earlier on, he maintains he had not in twenty five no, re- no political activism. Mm-hmm. He was pretty specific about the timeline for that, saying it was twenty five years. But this flashback records are saying that in the original copy of that CD, which I don't have, obviously. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I see. Obviously, you're like, if anybody's going to have it, it's probably going to be me, right? Um, but they're saying they've got signatures of him serving as the secretary of the party, mm-hmm. and he did omit the uh, classroom from that band lineup mm-hmm. in his apology. So that that, that last part about Sweden uh, Democrats is particularly interesting, I think, given that those ongoing denials, he's personally stated to E online again, I want to point out that I've never been a member of Sweden Democrats. That is a factual error. So that's a pretty, that's just a full like word against word. Mm -hmm. Flashbackers saying it's there. You can have it. It's in the sleeve notes, which I've not seen, but they are saying it's in the sleeve notes. The mo-
2: the motivation of flashback. They're saying it's they they they're exposing him because he's a hypocrite or he's lying he's or whatever, right?
1: And he's not taking full ownership. He's downplaying it, Good right. Marketing as well, though,
0: right? Because he's a hugely famous Swede. <laughs> yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. So, oh, by the way, That's... we could probably Like, he's got some dodgy past mm-hmm. What if we capitalise on that? Absolutely, mm-hmm. I think they're yeah. definitely piggybacking mm-hmm. on
1: it And I'm sure that those thousand copies are heavily snapped up I know that they're collector's items.
0: Um, Why so, only a thousand as well? Like You could you probably sell a lot more could now You way more than that, yeah
2: <laughs> And were they the flashback are also saying that They don't have a political affiliation They just platform other people Is that like, or do they have Like, do they have a axe to grind with? Like, were they part of the same scene? Like, do you know what I'm trying
0: to. They, they just seem to claim that they're just outraged that he's cowardice. They use the word I, cowardice. Mm-hmm. It seems like their record label only has one political agenda. No, well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, but certainly, Ulf was in a band with the founder
1: of the Sweden Democrats. Yeah. There's a lot of wiggle room, I think, in his use of the word a member. I was never a member, although I also think it's funny that it said wiggle and member in the same sentence.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You're vaguely penis. <laughs>
1: was he simply a supporter or affiliate I find it highly probable that he was probably one if not both at least for some time Uh however so were a lot of Swedes because whilst (laughs) it's unpalatable to us kind of sophisticated soy drinking West Enders it isn't illegal to be in or vote for the Sweden Democrats, they are a party so who are the Sweden Democrats and what was the extent and the status of the far right in Sweden? Mm mhm that is a thrilling question. Yep. we're going to answer next episode. I
2: cannot
1: wait. That's to find out. We're going to come straight out the traps on a music
0: podcast discussing the history of the far right in <laughs> <and> Sweden. <laughs> get your fucking heads around that, folks. Yeah, yeah. So tune in for that next week. And also, just there's something we didn't ask you to do earlier on, but you really should do is, if you really like Nazis or you really like hits the base, share this episode. Just tweet mm. it or share the story on your Instagram or. Facebook or whatever. Just, yeah, we're, yeah, we're. This is going to become the defining analysis of this
1: key issue in the history mm-hmm. of mankind. <laughs> Our A sub neo Nazis. Mm-hmm. This is going to be the definitive one. Okay, so share it. You know, show off. Be the be be the first one. Yeah.
0: Bye. Bye. <laughs>